0: just want to briefly um, just, just take a few moments really just to speak a little bit about the greatest gift, to speak about the one that we're here for, the one we're here to worship, the one we're here to adore, the one who has done so much for us and it says in Philippians chapter 2, um, words that be, which will be very familiar to, to many of you, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who... So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I just want to spend a moment um, reminding you of who this is that we worship. Because it's a little bit like sometimes we can get so caught up on the first couple of chapters of the story that we forget the very reason why he came. We forget the conclusion, we forget what it was all about. And within these verses in Philippians, it just reminds us, in a very short way, the purpose of Jesus coming, who he was and what he did. We find in those first few verses, it says this, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. You know this Jesus who, who came as a baby? He's the eternal one. With no beginning and no end. He's the all-powerful one. The creator. His very word bringing something out of nothing in an instant. He's the one that lived in perfect community and love with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, being co-equal, co-eternal. He's the one that for eternity past had been surrounded by millions upon millions of angels who did his bidding and he received their worship. And although a God with emotion, he, had never, he was never plagued with a negative emotion. He lived in perfect peace. He was sinless, uncontaminated by sin. That is the Jesus who was born 2,000 years ago. That is Emmanuel, God with us. But we find in this passage of Philippians, we find the reason why he came. And this is what it says in the message. I love these words. When the time came... He set aside the privileges of the deity and took the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. Just at the right time, when mankind had tried its very best to save itself, Jesus came, was born in a stable He clothed himself with flesh. He was carried in Mary's womb. He was born a baby, baby, still God, yet totally human. I don't know how it works. He wasn't part God and part human, but totally God and totally human. He was clothed with limitation. He came face to face with a world broken by sin. I don't know if you've ever thought of this. He was raised... By sinful parents, yet he was without sin. Can you imagine how frustrating that must have been for Mary and Joseph? (laughs) Jesus never did anything wrong. He never sinned. He grew in knowledge with flawed teachers, and yet he was the all-knowing one. He was rejected, and yet he came to bring God's acceptance. He got sick, but ...was the Lord of all sickness. He became weak, yet he was the creator of all things. He served, but he was the King of kings. He didn't claim any special privileges. He lived a selfless, obedient life. This is the one we worship. Totally God, yet clothed with flesh. Jesus humbled himself. But his humbling didn't just stop with being clothed in flesh... He died a death that was totally alien to him. says in the Philippians passage, then he died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Rejected by those he came to save, abandoned by his closest friends, he immense intense physical pain, emotional pain. The father pouring his wrath upon him, as he carried our sin, he carried a curse so I wouldn't. Jesus humbled himself. He did it for you, he did it for me. When, when we remember a baby born, placed in a manger, we're remembering Emmanuel, God with us, clothed with flesh. Who came, why? Because our best efforts just don't cut it. But what Jesus came to do. Makes all the difference. When we sing Hark, the herald angels sing Glory to a newborn King, in the back of our mind, we're not just thinking about, wow, how wonderful it is that Jesus came. We're thinking, how wonderful my sins have been forgiven because of what Jesus Christ came to do. It is an immense privilege. But where is He now? He's not on a cross, He's not in a grave. It says this, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God to the Father. God raised him up by the power of the Holy Spirit and now he has a name that is far above any other name. We are worshipping one. Seated at the right hand of the Father. So that Jesus' name, every knee should bow. I think he thinks he can do a better job, actually. He probably would. Every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord... To the glory of God the Father. That's the wonder of the incarnation. God clothed with flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And when I consider what Jesus came to do, it takes my breath away. That's what we're celebrating. That's what causes us to worship. But I just want to ask, as I close, I just want to ask a question. Did Paul, who wrote this to the church at Philippi, did he write this amazing hymn in order to help us worship? Well, I think he probably did. But there was actually another reason. And it says in the first few words of that chapter, he says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote this, that the church in Philippi would have the same mind... That Jesus Christ did, would have the same attitude that Jesus did. That when they were dealing with one another, when they were carving the Christmas turkey, when they were passing round the drinks, when they were sat round the meal table, they'd have the same attitude as Jesus in how they acted, how they lived life, what they did together. Paul wrote it that they would live a life of humility that they would live a life of serving others. Not grasping for position, not looking to win an argument, not looking to get your own way, but living a life of love, service, in humility. Christmas is often a time when we need to remember that, isn't it? You know, we come into the season with such high expectations, but can so often finish the day I feel I'm being stalked. (laughs) We go into the season with such high expectations, but can finish with disappointment, can't we? Because actually what goes on around the meal table, what happens on Christmas Day, doesn't quite measure up to our expectations. Let's leave this morning... (laughs) Amen. With, ...with resolve... Full of the Holy Spirit. And this is what this is what it says in Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. Oh, oh. <laughs> Never work with animals or children. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Kingdom of God, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul, why don't you come back up? We're going to sing one last carol as we finish. I'm going to pray. and I'm going to pray for two things. So why don't we stand? I would love to pray for two things. One, I'm just going to pray just for the grace of God on us today. So you up for that? Cool. The other thing I want to pray for is for anyone who's sick today or ill. So if you've come into this auditorium, you may never have been in church before and you think this is very odd. But if you're not feeling very well at the moment or you've got a long-term sort of sickness or illness, I believe that the risen Lord Jesus Christ has power over sickness and wants to bring healing. So I'm just going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask that throughout the day, The Holy Spirit will bring healing to your body so that by the end of the day, you will know complete freedom from whatever the ailment is. Is that all right? So, if you're suffering from sickness in any any part of your body and it feels not embarrassing, not too inappropriate, why don't you put your hand where it is or just put your hand slightly in the air. So, a few people might notice, but not many. And I'm just going to pray for the healing power of Jesus to come. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much that you came, you lived a perfect life, you died a death on the cross, and you are risen and seated in glory. With authority, your name is above every other name. So I thank you, Lord, that your name is above the common cold. I thank you it's above um, every headache or migraine. I thank you it's above every ache and ailment. I thank you it's above cancer. I thank you it's above every sickness and illness. And so in the name of Jesus... I declare the healing power of Jesus to be released right now. I pray for your power to come and bring healing and restoration to physical bodies, to troubled minds. Come and have your way. And I just ask, Lord, that throughout the day, people who have even got their hands up now or who are suffering will know your healing power at work in their bodies. I ask you for complete healing. Not just an improvement in circumstance. I pray for those who are struggling with cancer at the moment, who are suffering with it. I ask you, Lord Jesus, for your healing power to be released in Jesus' name. Whether whether people from the church are here or not, I ask you in the precious name of Jesus. I pray for those with heart problems. Pray for Bob Beanie. I pray for the healing power of Jesus to be released on him right now. And I ask for the rest of us, for all of us, would we know your peace? Would you know your your joy? Would we know your righteousness? In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Why don't we sing our last carol together?